0: We're starting a new series today. It's called "Tales of Ridiculous Faith: Tales of Ridiculous Faith." I want you to turn your Bibles over to First Kings chapter 17, First Kings chapter 17. And when it came to the idea of this series, as we're heading into summer, I don't know about you, for me, a lot of times my, my mind I'm like, ah, summer's almost here. How many feel that, right? And you're like, "Oh, it's a time to retreat. It's a time to have a break." It's a time to rest. And guess what? It is. I want you to feel a sense of retreat and rest and a sense of a break and, and taking it easy. And here in Cherokee County and Cobb County, you know, this area, um, we have with summer break only about eight weeks, don't we? You know? And it goes fast, doesn't it? It sure does. Um, and so then the kids get back in school. But but with that, I, I, I definitely understand the idea as summer's coming and we want to physically coast a little bit. But why this series? I felt like the Lord was stirring in my heart as spring came um, and as summer approached as it's starting to get closer. I felt the Lord was stern in my heart seeing that we felt the Lord saying that this year is a year of what? Acceleration. And have we not seen acceleration? Oh, my goodness, we've seen acceleration. So with that, it would be easy for us to coast into the summer. It just would be. And so I want to tell you this. Number one, I want you to physically rest. Everybody say physically rest. I want you to physically coast. I do. But I don't want you going into the summer spiritually coasting. All right? Is that all right? All right? I want us to be a people that are engaged this summer, and I'm not talking just about Sunday attendance. And, and so, you know, it's easy for me to say that. Well, that's pastor trying to keep us in the seats and, and 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 for no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about the idea of faith and being spiritually engaged because you are the only body Christ has in the earth. Amen. I'm not saying Momentum Church is the only body. That'd be pretty sad if it was just us. But we ought to live like that. Amen. We ought to live like, man, there's 400 of us, and if we're not engaged spiritually, then who's Jesus going to use to touch people's lives over the next two months, right? And guess what? I believe he's going to use you. Yes, I do. And so I want to talk a little about tales of faith, and not just any kind of faith, ridiculous faith. Tales of ridiculous faith. Just what God can do in and through people's lives when we choose not to coast, when we choose to engage. And so that's why I want us to look at. And, and really, when Amy and I was on the trail, it really kind of, um the Lord spoke to me something in that. And it was afterwards. I was frustrated. I'll be honest. I'm on the trail. Every time I hike, every time I get ideas of sermon series I get ideas of ministry plans I get ideas for my family spiritually things I want to walk them in and through I get ideas for buildings I get ideas for stuff how many's like that you know you kind of disengage a little bit next thing you know your mind just gets full and I don't know what it was if it was just that I was following Amy all week and I couldn't keep my mind straight I don't know what but all week nothing came spiritually like literally I was just I'm just walking And thinking about the next place to get water, the next place to get, you know, food, the next place to get a breath of air, (laughs) you know. And and it was just the weirdest thing, and I was so frustrated with it. And that God, why? I I always just fill up on these things spiritually. When I'm gone like that, I just get ideas. and, And all I could think about was the immediate. All I could think about, and it wasn't really coasting. It was just that my mind was locked into the immediate. You know, what's going on right now? And the last night, finally, the last night, we ended up staying by close to a shelter, and we decided that that night it was supposed to lightning, so we would sleep in the shelter. Big mistake. It's better to sleep in your hammocks away from the shelters, okay? And so, just people snoring, doing other bodily stuff, you know. We got there pretty early, and Amy, she sacked out. And I went out there, and I sat by the fire with some young guys. And, and next thing you know, there's one fella, he was about mid 60s, and he was going to do his, his through hike. And we get talking, and he's an agnostic, you know? And we start talking about spiritual things. And the next thing you know, the Lord ceased the coasting that week, and there was an opportunity to speak life. The man's going through cancer. He's facing a whole bunch of stuff. By the time we were done, was able to lay hands on him and pray for him and believe God for a miracle for him, and it was just incredible, you know. And so, what's that, you know? Aw, babies are so sweet. <laughs> it was cool with my life with babies. I just got to take this hearing aid and go, up oh, there. <laughs> <laughs> <It's awesome. laughs> I'm kidding. No, babies are. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little Folsom baby, that baby's precious I'm telling you man, John we're so proud of you guys I'm telling you <clears throat> so when it comes down to it, that night I had this opportunity to speak with this guy named Hank and got to minister to him and then he went on to bed and I'm sitting there and there's two young guys, Boy Scout and Sea and, 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 and C- C- Dog I don't know if you know this, you're on the trail people get nicknames, you know and so I am the Rantosaurus. <laughs> T-Rex for short because I talk with my short hands, you know and um, so the Rantosaurus and Amy is Iron Mama because she's fierce, you know. And um, so, But we get to have conversation. I'm sitting there talking with these two kids, and they're going to do a through hike all the way to Maine. And, man, the Lord just began to speak life to these boys and challenge to these boys. They're 18 and 20. And, um, and it was one of those things where it would have been easy. Man, we have just been hiking for nine days straight. Last night in the woods, we got to hike out the next day, nine and a half miles. It would have been easy to coast that night, but I could see God doing something. You know, I wanted to go to sleep. But God wanted to speak to those boys and set a spiritual foundation for their trip. And we got to minister life to them, you know. Well, Ross, you're a pastor. You're supposed to do that. No, 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 no. I was a plumber before I was a pastor, you know. And if I was plumbing and hiking and there was an opportunity to speak to those boys, I'd be speaking to those boys. Why? Because we don't need to go through life coasting spiritually. Yes, we need physical rest. There's times we need spiritual rest. But I want to challenge us in this year of acceleration to go into the summer with a sense of expectation that we're going to experience some tales of ridiculous faith. That we're going to experience some stories of life's change. We're going to experience some stories of, of God doing some incredible things. Why? Because, because in the next service, a young man named Nate is getting baptized. You know, That's why we don't want to coast Do you remember about uh, two months ago, maybe three months ago, when Travis all tatted up, remember, and he was here and he got baptized? Well, his buddy Nate came that day to see his buddy get baptized, and now Nate in the next service is going to get baptized. Come on. In the last two months, God's got a hold of Nate has turned him from depression into joy, has given him a a place to put his feet forward. There's hardly a week goes by that Nate doesn't come in this house bringing some friend that's lost. Why? Because he's realizing there's something to this, not coasting. There's something to this ridiculous tale of faith that when you start to partner with God, God starts to do something in you and through you, you know. And so I want us to understand faith. And so we're going to look a little bit about faith today in the next few weeks. And, um, And this today is just the beginning. All right, it's just the start of it as we look at this. But God, I believe, wants to give us some lessons in regards to faith. But here's the thing. I want you to understand. Number one here, you can't experience a tale of ridiculous faith without establishing ridiculous trust. You just can't. Faith without trust just doesn't work, you know. And and I'm going to tell you right now, guys, listen, if you struggle with faith, it's okay. All right? It's not your place to fake it till you make it. You know what I'm saying? It's not your place to try to muster something up and, and I'm going to try. If I can grunt real hard, Jesus, do it. You're just going to get an aneurysm, you know. It's not your No, no. God will birth faith in you. I think it's beautiful. There's a gift of faith that comes. It's so beautiful. There's a seed of faith that comes for salvation. And there's a gift of faith that comes to believe God for miracles and to believe God for signs and wonders. How many knows we're a church that believes in signs and wonders? Amen? You know? But there's a gift of faith that comes. And it's not that you've got to grunt till you get it. No, 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 no. No. you got to walk till you learn to trust him. And when you can trust him, then faith starts to follow on the backside of that trust. And it's a beautiful thing. And guess what it is? It's a relational. Say relational thing. Yeah, I I, I don't trust people I don't know. Right? And neither do you. Took me a long time to trust Glenn. I'm kidding. I'm teasing. (laughs) No, no. But as you get to know people, it's like, man, I can trust that person. I know that person's got my back. First time I met you, Scott, I thought, man, he's just $3 bill. Man, you're my, you're, my, you're my family. I love it. Ugh. I love this brother, man. He, he means the world to me, you know. But it took time of getting to know him and, and realize, yeah, he's off. But the right kind of off. <laughs> I love it, you know. It'll, and I see all of you different ones here. I think that it's just trust. It takes time. You're a guest with us today. And there's people that have, obviously for the last 12 years have been guests, and now they're part of the family. And it took time. Can I trust this house? Can I Believe this, pastor. Can I believe this team? Can I believe in the ministry team leaders? Can I trust you've been there? And it takes time. And guess what? That's all right. I just want you to not disengage. I want you to take the time over this summer engaging with the Lord and allowing him to establish trust in you and faith in you and you in him. And watch when God puts his thumb on something. Like dealing there with those two young men. It was neat, too, because as I was dealing with those two young men, the Lord started bringing a little bit of prophetic insight, a little bit of word of knowledge, a little bit of word of wisdom. I was able to kind of speak that. And you could just see their eyes just getting open big, you know. It's like, how do you know that? It's just Jesus. Jesus knows this, you know. God knows what you're going through. You're not alone on this trail, bro, you know. It was just the most amazing thing. So what I want you to do this morning, I want us to stand to our feet. We're going to get into Elijah. and The reason why is we see that tale of fire, you know. We see that story of Elijah in in, in chapter 18. We're going to look at that story. Not today, but we are. And we think, God, I want the faith of Elijah. I want to be able to believe that if there are 450 prophets of Baal against me and my God, and God tells me to do something, and I do it, that God's going to do a great work. I, I want to be like Elijah to where you can put all the water you want on that altar. You put all the stones and rock you want. But after a 17-word, little short prayer, my God will lick that thing up with fire. Will light that thing up. Every bit of water, those stones turn to powder. You, I want to be that kind of guy. Amen? That's not who Elijah was. <laughs> that was part of the process. Elijah got there, and if you know Elijah's story, he struggled even after that, you know? Sometimes we put epic stories of faith almost like mythological Greek legends. No, it's life. It's real. And there's victories, and there's struggles, and there's God's hand moves. Then there's self-doubt, and God doesn't give up on them. And, and, and so, so we're going to be looking at what it really looks like, not some televangelist view of faith, Well, but some real understanding of, (laughs) I like that. We need some more whales in the house. Come on. So. Here's what it says in 1 Kings chapter 17. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him and said, Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan River. You shall drink from the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. So he went and did. Amen. And he went and lived by the brook Cherith, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And, he, and, and I love it. It's bread and meat. Meat. Shout meat. All right. Sorry, vegetarians. But it's just... Am I preaching the word today? Come on. All right. So <laughs> in the evening, and he drank by the brook. Let's pray. Father, right now, we just ask, Lord, for your hand to be upon this word today that you would allow us as we leave here just to understand faith a little better and to understand what it looks like to trust you and to understand what it looks like that um, we are human and you created us. And Lord God, because of sin, we have frailties. But Lord God, all things work together for your good for us who are called according to your purpose. And so, Lord God, help us to get a vision for that, a vision of ridiculous trust in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have your seat. So a lot of times when we talk about faith, faith is in conjunction with a miracle or something you want to see God do, right? You know, God, I want you to do this thing in my life. I want you to heal. I want you to set free. I want you to deliver. Do something. Oh, Jesus, do it. Uh, And that's faith. That's kind of how we look at it. But here's the thing. I don't know about you. Sometimes it feels as if God doesn't care. Am I alone? I'm just being honest. Lord, I don't get it. Help me understand you, God. I, I know your word says your ways are not like my ways. Your thoughts are not like my thoughts. They're higher. I get it, God. But help a brother out, you know. I've told you before, as we were planting the church and things were struggling, my literal prayer to God was this one day. God, come on. I'm not selling crack down here. I swear, that was my prayer. Lord, we're trying to help folk, you know. Jesus, please. And, and, and went through all that, you know. And obviously, you guys know I have a Pentecostal background. You know, I went to Oral Roberts University. Man, all I need to do is sow a seed, ha, and I'll reap me a harvest, quick, you know, but I forget, fellow alum, we forget sometimes, and you've went through hell and come through it, man, proud of you, we forget sometimes that in due season, you will reap, if you do not lose heart, in due season, you will reap, everybody say, if you do not lose heart, see, the thing is, with Amy and I, we've been through some stuff, all right? But she's learned to trust me, and I've learned to trust her because I know her, and she knows me. And we've been through some things with each other, but in due season, we've seen a harvest because we're not losing heart. There's relationship there, and that relationship's turned toward God. And so the same idea, God, we've been through some stuff, God. I don't understand your ways. I don't get why my miracle hasn't manifested already, but God, I'm not going to lose heart. Why? Because I've got a relationship with you. I'm learning in time to trust you. I'm learning that healing at times, deliverance at times, a miracle at times, isn't something that happens just at the altar in a moment. I want every miracle to happen that way. I have seen blind eyes open. I have seen deaf ears open. I have seen literally demons cast out. I have seen it with hands laid on, a miracle in a moment. Years ago, I had a young couple show up at the house, and the young woman, so full of anxiety and depression, couldn't even get out of the car, and came, they knock on the door, you got to help my wife. We go, we lay hands on her in the car. I don't know if you believe it or not. I didn't know what to say in English, so I prayed in tongues, and I began to pray over this young girl, and next thing you know, words of English started coming to say, begin to speak, because you know, tongues, no sense in praying in tongues, if you already got some English, amen. Amen. So I begin to pray the word of life, pray the word of wisdom, pray the word of knowledge. And next thing you know, God set that young woman free. And she's free to this day. I want every miracle to happen like that. Just in a moment, you know, just pray. And that's why we have opportunity at times we pray at the altar. That's why we have opportunity at times where we'll have you raise your hand. We'll have guys gather and pray with guys, and ladies pray with ladies, and we see signs and wonder, we see miracles like that happen all the time. But that's not always the case, is it? God, why is my miracle not manifesting right now? Why is my healing not here right now? Why is it a progress? Why, Why, Lord? There's a larger story. There's something else that's happening. There's an establishment of relationship, and you thought all this long was because you couldn't get your faith right. And you thought all this time it was because something wasn't in line right. That you just couldn't get your ducks in a row to get your miracle. Now, I believe getting our heart right. I believe in setting things in order. I believe in fasting. We've talked about how some things come out by prayer and fasting alone. I believe in that. But you look at a mama whose child going through a sickness. And you tell that mama she don't have faith enough to believe for her child to get healed. I'll smack you in the tooth. I'm telling you right now. If that was my child... You know, because you know that mama believes and has faith to believe, but sometimes it's a greater story. I don't get it. I don't understand it, but, but I trust him, okay? Now, I did it before. I'll be honest. I didn't. I was, I was just a, a, a punk and mad at God because I wasn't getting my way, and I wasn't getting my miracle, and I wasn't seeing his hand move into the church like I thought I was supposed to, and I was just, I was just a punk, you know? But through it all, man, I started learning to trust him. And to realize he's a good God. But that first thing when we go through suffering, it's to ask for relief. God, bring relief. Fix this. And sometimes when that fix doesn't happen quick, we stop looking to God. We stop trusting in God. We stop walking with God. You know my story that when I went deaf and I was mad at God and finally I was at the end of everything. And I cursed God. Literally cursed God. Four letter word, Maybe a few seven- and eight-letter words, too. But I remember at least one four-letter word. My wife's eyes got that big. She hadn't heard me talk like that. I cursed God. And then I didn't talk to God for three months because I was just kind of embarrassed by my actions with, toward Him, you know. And it just This is years ago, you know. I don't even know now how long, eight, nine years ago. But the Lord never left me. There was a larger story. We'll get to that toward the end. So what we see here is that sometimes we have suffering, and the first thing we do is ask for relief. But all the process is a miracle. Can I say it again? The relief's not the miracle. The whole process is a miracle. The whole that a living God would have interaction with you. Period, is a miracle, right, Jerry? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. You know. Thank you. For the delayed miracles. I don't get it, but thank you. Because there's relationship. Thank you, Lord. You're getting me through this. And when I looked at this passage of scripture, something came out to my mind. It says here that and the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And my mind thought, ravens, that's a dirty bird. And so I want to call this a dirty bird miracle. It's a miracle where it's, 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 it's just, yeah, it's enough, but just enough, you know? God, you're, I feel like you're stringing me along here. I don't get it. I feel like, yeah, yeah, I'm not starving here, but I don't know if I'm thriving yet either. Does that make sense, you know? Have you ever been there before? And so here he's at the brook Cherith, and yes, he's being fed, but it wasn't a mighty eagle. I would love that. Come, Almighty oh Eagle, Feel the, feed this child of the Lord. You know, I'm a prophet. I'm Elijah. Feed me, Mighty Eagle. <laughs> Some dirty bird shows up. Uh, you know, with mac and cheese. And, you, know, you know, it's like what in the world? You know, I, I'm sorry. I never had seen that before. And the de- deep revelation came to me in the night. No. <laughs> but sometimes it's like that. It's like, God, I don't get it. It's like, it's like, it feels like a half a miracle, you know, and God just says, trust me. I mean, this is the same Elijah that's gonna call fire down, you know, but right now, the word that came out of his mouth caused issues. There's famine at the bequest of God, you know, and there's provision, but just enough. As long as he's by the brook, I don't know how far from the brook. He, I don't I don't know. Is there a certain schedule? Do you know is a raven on a clock and you gotta show up a certain time at the brook to get fed? Or you know, do I miss a meal if I leave the brook and I go too far? And, 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 and I'm just taking that too far. Okay, so but here's the thing: listen, if you are going to establish trust in God, like Elijah, you must get a revelation of who God is and your relationship with God. Watch this: Elijah had a revelation of who God is and his relationship with Him. Verse 1. As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives. Man, enough said. As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives. That, that was the revelation he had of who God was. He is the Lord, the God of Israel. This is the same God that split wide the Red Sea. The same God that split wide the Jordan River. This is the same God that did all those miraculous things that we read about in the book of Exodus, leading them into the promised land. This is the same God that although they walked on dry land, their accuser and oppressors were drowned in the Red Sea. This is the same God that provided manna in the morning and manna at night. And when they got tired of manna, thank God, God brought some, everybody shout meat. Oh yeah, you know, the same God as that God lives. And so he understood who this God was. And in the midst of it, yeah, the miracle seems a little different, a little weird. Birds feed me. This is a little strange. But he knew that's who that God was. Now listen, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, he knew his relationship with that God. God, I am in you. You know what's beautiful? For him, he could stand and be in God, but you can stand and know God is in you. Ooh. You can stand up on the inside because you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so he knew that he was one who could stand. And I think a lot of times that's something that the enemy does to us. When we don't get our miracle, when we're going through things, and it doesn't look quite like we think it should look like, we stop standing. We feel defeated. We feel less. We feel like we're walking in lack. We feel like, who am I? What have I done to deserve this God, you know? But we can see here. He knew who he was. He knew who God was, and he was standing. And then he said, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And for a lot of years, I think what I did is I thought I knew God, but all I knew was God's hand. I didn't know his face. From early 20s until early 30s, everything we put our hands to, Blessing, 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 blessing. Just give me God, just give me God. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And he just gave and gave and gave. And I feel like I got my eyes off of his face and I got my eyes on his hand. And when his hand stopped providing the way I wanted it to provide, then I lost trust in him. And when I lost trust in him, I began to break relationship with him. I'm not saying he went anywhere. I'm saying my heart became distant to him because I was mad at him right? We can't get to tales of ridiculous faith, because right now we're walking in some tales of ridiculous faith. But you can't get there if you don't have a tale of ridiculous trust first. And my trust wasn't there. I had to get my eyes off his hand and my eyes on his face and make it about relationship Come, as the old timers would say, hell or high water. It didn't matter what we were going through. God, you're still God all by yourself. You're still the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. You're still that God that, that does the miraculous. I just don't understand why right now I could be fed by a dirty bird. just don't get it. Can you get on to the good stuff, Jesus? And I think the Lord was saying, man, for eight and a half years it was good stuff. You just were a punk. <laughs> you just didn't realize it. I was there the whole time. You just weren't You just weren't. And so hopefully we can learn from from my mistake. And so that Elijah, he had a revelation of who God was, but also his relationship with God. And so if you're going to establish trust in God, you must be a person, number two, who responds to the word of the Lord. So if number one, get a revelation of who God is and who you are in him. And then number two, respond to his word. Look, Look at this. In verse two, Elijah responded to the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord came to him. And the word of the Lord came to him. Isn't that beautiful? And the word of the Lord will come to you. And the Lord of the Lord will will speak something in your life. And then as you see what the word was, go to the brook Cherith, do this, do that, and I'm going to take care of you. You can see in verse 5, so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. So God's word comes and we respond to it. You know what that builds? That builds mutual trust. God trusting me to respond. And me seeing the fruit of the response of myself to his word. And when I see that fruit, mutual trust starts to develop. Sounds like a relationship, doesn't it? Doesn't sound like, everybody listen, doesn't sound like magic. Too often faith is taught like magic. If I can just get the mojo right, you don't serve a mythological Greek, capricious, self serving God. Feed the God, the virgin. Stop. That's not what we serve. We serve a good God, a living God wants relationship. Isn't that beautiful? And as that mutual trust takes place, if the miracle is delayed, it doesn't matter because I know He is the living God and I know in Him I stand. I needed this sermon in my life about seven years ago. Serious, Amy. Amen? You don't have to amen so hard. Yeah, you're right. You were a mess. You tore up from the floor. All right. So so responding to the word of God. Listen, this is a thought that that the Lord gave me. We are quick to want to see the miracles of God manifest in our lives, but we're often slow to respond to the word of God in our lives. I want to see the miracle quick. It's just the simple response to the word of the Lord. And it can be a very easy thing. Like that night at the campfire, I'm supposed to talk to Sea Dog and Boy Scout, you know. Just something simple. You should do the little things, and God will give you even other things and bigger things to speak. So, okay, Ross, so great, great, great. So if I take your two points, because you know there's is, two points to every miracle, hallelujah. We could write a book, right? So if I take your two points, Ross, and now I'm going to get a revelation of who God is and who I am in him, number one. And then number two, I'm going to respond to his word, then boom, it's miracle time. Right? I get my miracle now. I just got to do those two points, and I get it. Maybe not, you know. Maybe not. So what I think is amazing about Elijah's story is it's a tale of this. It really is. It's a tale of him getting these weird miracles in the midst of crises, you know. And we're going to look at that here in a second. But let me tell you something that happened to us on the trail. And it was a God thing, but it was weird. And, and and I didn't really think about it lining up to this sermon until this week as I was thinking about the sermon. And I thought, oh, my word, I guess you did show me something on my trip, Lord. We were hiking, and within the first five minutes of hiking, I rolled my ankle. serious I was so frustrated and um, I had used trail running shoes instead of boots because I got skinny friends that hike and my skinny friends who hike are like yeah these are what you should use these are the cool in things now it's like wearing sneakers on the trail yes it is but I'm 240 pounds with a 40 pound pack you know because we're gone for nine days so a lot of weight and I'm so yeah no I needed boots And so I start off the trip. Within five minutes, I sprain my ankle. Within a half hour, I roll it again. So now we're on our first day, first eight and some miles, and I'm like this. And I'm going to finish this thing. If I have to drag my foot all the way, I'm finishing this, you know, because I finish what I start. That's just me. So long story short, I'm like knife going into my ankle every climb, coming down the hill. Not even, it's not better. Now it's hurting the back of my ankle. And so this is how it goes for the first day. We're coming down the backside of Sassafras Mountain, heading toward Horse Gap, and I'm telling Amy, and I said, baby, I said, I wish, wish I wouldn't have listened to oh, Jason and Mitch, those two, I tell you, I wish I wouldn't have listened to them, <laughs> you know, I've never had issues with my feet hiking, why do I listen to these men? And, and so, so I, if I had a pair of boots, I told her, I could crank the boots down, compress my ankle, and even though I'm hiking, I could get a little rest on my ankle, okay, And so, I'm frustrated. We're coming down Sassafras Mountain. Guys, listen. Lord, as my witness, we get to the bottom, and there's a pair of boots sitting to the left of the trail. I am not lying. I looked at those boots. Yeah, coach, I'm serious, yeah. So, I I look at those boots, and I'm just like, did somebody go potty somewhere and leave them? You know, like, you know, because people will leave stuff and go do stuff and come back, and and, um, and, but one shoelace is missing. The right tongue is all chewed up. It's been eaten by a mouse. You know, um, I could tell these have not fallen off a the pack. They're laid very nicely. And I, and I pick it up, and it's a 9.5. <laughs> Come on. Are you kidding me? Nine and a half. Now, the only thing is, it's a pair of marils, And I've got yabba-dabba-doo feet. Okay. <laughs> And Merrell's are kind of narrow in the heel. And I told him, I said, oh, man, they're narrow in the heel. I know. That's why I don't buy those, you know. I'm a keen boot guy. And so, but with that, I'm like, they're nine and a half. Man, I took my lace out of my shoe. I put it together. I got those things on. And for the next 10 miles, I walked in those boots, and they compressed my ankle. My ankle healed. Isn't that cool? Hold on. A bird miracle. Because my ankle. Healed, but I got blisters all up the right side and left side of both feet, the insteps. Because the marrow, why didn't Jesus give me kings? <laughs> Just being honest. God, the living God of Israel, you know, you could have nine and a half, right size, wrong mo- model. You know, I don't I didn't get it. Lord, I don't get this. Okay. I put them on. I hiked 10 miles. I'm all blistered up. Finally, I can't do it no more. You know, so I stopped, but my ankle felt better. I put the trail runners back on. I'm, you all know what moleskin is. It's that fake soft skin. You So I got myself all doctored up and everything because so I had a couple packets of that. And, I'm, and now we're hiking again. And so we get to another gap, and there's a dude, a bunch of people quitting. You know, they're just done. They're done with the hike. We, we, we were so proud of ourselves because every gap people were quitting, and we just kept on going, you know. I'm so proud of her. So when it came down to it, this dude that's quitting, he's from Jacksonville. He did not expect it to be that cold because it was like 45 and below for the first three days. And so he's ready. And so he's leaving. And he says to me, he says, do you need any first aids? Yes. <laughs> do you have anything for blisters? Oh, he had padded moleskin. It's like moleskin with Jesus infused. <laughs> it's beautiful skin." And so, man, that moleskin got me to Neil Gap. And if you know anything about Neil Gap, there's a store at Neal Gap where I bought three more packs of moleskin. I went through seven packs of moleskin to keep my feet together. But here's the thing. That man from Jacksonville, his name's Phil, and he's reaching out to us because he needs Jesus. And, and, and so we had a little spiritual connection with Phil. And, um, but that man from Jacksonville had the stuff I needed to get to the next place. And when I got to the next place, they have a store, and thank God we're not broke anymore. Hallelujah. And I bought me a pair of Keen boots. And I wore those things for the rest of the trip with my blistered feet, and I got out. And all I could think of was, the Lord, I don't, I don't get it, but I know you provide it. The only thing I could think is I wouldn't have made those other connections and the stories. And there was a guy named Mike that had a a week of zeros where he couldn't hike because he had such blisters. And I was able to talk to him about the Lord. And and so God just, just every step of the way. And next thing you know, our story starts to be told ahead of us. Because we're not the fastest hikers on the trail. I get that. But our stories, so now we're showing up at camp and we're setting up our big couple's double hammock thing that we got. And it's like a pontoon boat in the air. It's, It's awesome. And people are going, oh, you're the married couple with kids, and you got blisters on your feet. <laughs> yes, I talk too much. I am the Rantosaurus, you know. And so, but it just gave us access points, left and right, to speak life and, and our marriage. And, and we've been together for 23 years, and, and just to encourage some people. And, and it was just the coolest, it was the coolest thing. But it just seemed like it kept going from, 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 from good to bad, and bad again. And, and so in verse King, 1 Kings 17, 7, it says, and after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. So now you have a moment where miracles are happening, and now his brook dries up. Okay, Lord, here we go again. It's another crisis. Can I just tell you, you're a human, and for the rest of your life, it will be crises to crises to crises. It's just part of this fallen world. But man, learn to trust God in the midst of it, and guess what? That ridiculous trust will lead you to ridiculous faith, and will lead to ridiculous miracles. It really will. But you can't experience a tale of ridiculous faith without establishing ridiculous trust. And so what I think God was doing in, in Elijah's life was establishing ridiculous trust. The very next thing he does in verse 8, chapter eight, verse eight and 9, Then the word of the Lord, say, then the word, See, the word comes and he responds. Then the word of the Lord came to him, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. Really, God? A widow? You all know the story. The woman has nothing. They're going to eat a little meal, the last she has, and her and her boy are going to die. And that's who you're sending him to? God, come on. From the pot to the, how's that say That'll work, you know? (laughs) Good night, you know? (laughs) But that widow, she responded to the word of the Lord that the prophet gave, and God used her mightily, and here goes another miracle. And I think to Elijah, he had to think, God, why? But, Lord, I'm learning to trust you, you know? And I got to think about momentum. You know what? I'm so proud of you guys. You guys are a bunch of widows and widowers. You have very little... But you're just so faithful just to give. You give your time. I mean, so many pastors our friends of mine are so jealous of our church because the size we are and the amount of volunteers that we have is ridiculous. You give of your time, you give of your, your information, the stuff that you, you know, just man, journey group leaders. Where, where's Patty and, and Rich? Where are you guys? There you go, the records, you know. So Bill and Patty, these guys are coming to faith in Christ. Lives are changing by God. And, and next thing you know, Journey Group's been something that's sewed into their life. And they're going to start a Journey Group. And they started one. And they got a bunch of people coming. And you're a widow and a widower, spiritually. I mean, I, like, you're just learning all this stuff. But you know what? I'm going to take what I have and I'm going to use it. I'm going to give it. And God brings a miracle. Why? Because you're learning to trust him do well, have it all figured out. You're just learning to, everybody say, trust him. And that's a tale of ridiculous trust. And, it's, and, and I know Bill and I've talked to like, I don't know what I'm doing. I just, I, but he can't help himself. You're addicted to seeing God do something through himself to touch other people's lives. And, and so for, for 1 Kings 17, 14, for thus says the Lord God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent, the jug of oil shall not be empty. You see the miracle begins to take place. Why was Elijah willing to hear God's voice in that? And when he got there, willing to say, you know what? Feed me first. Because Elijah had trained his trust at the brook Cherith. That dirty bird coming every day. God, you're faithful. I don't get this. And now the brook's dried up. But you tell me to go, I'm going to go. He learned to train his trust at the brook Cherith. Now here's what's crazy. After that miracle takes place where that provision took place for the woman and her son... It says in verse 17, after this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill, and his illness was so severe that he had no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, what have you against me, O man of God? Christ sees again. How much more can you take? Even Elijah says to God, he cries to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I had sojourned by killing her son? No, no, no. As you read the story, you see another mirror take place. But even God, I don't get this. I don't understand what's going on. And when you don't understand, all I can hear the Lord saying is just trust me. That's it. Just trust me. Don't go far. Don't get bitter. Don't get angry. Stay close. And have ridiculous trust and watch. Watch what I'm going to do. Because sometimes healing and miracles are a progress of things. Sometimes they're a growing thing. When I went deaf, literally i had a person in our church who sat across from me at my house and said how can i be in a church where the pastor can't get his miracle and then i punched him in the throat (laughs) in a loving jesus way (laughs) no i'm kidding but literally this dude says this how can i be in a church what does that do i mean my heart just crushed i mean i just and in the quietness of my own time god why can't I get a miracle? And the reason why was because if I got my miracle then, okay, the partnership of hundreds and hundreds of people that helped me get this miracle a decade later wouldn't have happened. And it would have been a neat thing. I used to be deaf and I got my hearing. But it wouldn't have been our thing. You know? And this, is, this is our thing. God gave me this through you and through our church in Ohio and through the Assemblies of God pastors in Georgia that we serve, you know? beautiful. Amy, during the course of this, because I couldn't hear, I learned to not talk in public. And Amy became a great speaker. Just being honest. When we're out at dinner and stuff like that, I couldn't hear. So she, she did most of the talking. I sat and I smiled. You know, God had a purpose and it pulled Amy out of her shell. And now God's using Pastor Amy to do great things. Amen. And so I just love it, you know. On Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, the company that makes this, they've been using me as a spokesperson. And they're flying me to New York just one night. Fly me in on Wednesday, my day off. They're going to take pictures of me. I I am the face of deafness. (laughs) What in the world? But They did when they called me last month. Hey, we'd like you to come in and do a photo shoot. Really? Okay. What should I wear? <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, um, solid black because it's slimming. That's what I'm going to wear, <laughs> you know. So, um, no, it's just one of those things to where every time I've had anything to do with this company, I've got to share Jesus. Just I've, I've, I've got to share life. People will contact me through Facebook and on the phone about spiritual questions and spiritual things they're going through because of this deafness. And I didn't understand My dirty bird miracle. But I'm thankful for my dirty bird miracle. Amen? So it's about trust. And at the end, the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you're a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth and it's truth. Isn't that neat? Can I just say it this way? The world won't see the truth of him if we don't establish our trust in him. We don't need a miracle overnight to establish that trust. We just need a one day at a time. That's all. God, I don't get it today, but you are the living God of Israel. I'm not going anywhere. Send that dirty bird, uh, whatever it looks like, God. So right now, if there's something you need a miracle in your life, can you just put that in your heart as we pray? Jesus, you see my friends today. (laughs) Lord, whatever that is, I ask that discouragement would be lifted and relieved, God, that that hope would manifest, that, Lord God, you'd encourage them to just trust you. You're working all things out for their good, because you love them and they have a purpose in their life. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.